Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week you get the pleasure of listening to an episode with arguably the only two Noors that matter. This week's guest is Noor Tejuri. She is an award-winning journalist, podcast host, and just all-around incredible person because her name is Noor. So enjoy the episode. I like always feel so bad for the person who's assembling my audio, and I'm just like, I need you to clean up this guy ums, us, and, and, and everything in between. And it's always like academics, historic. My, my dad, when I interviewed my dad, he like went, he's a pathologist. So he went all like doctor. Wait, and he's like, your dad is a pathologist? Mm-hmm. My dad is a Don't, pathologist. No, no. You're lying. No, You're lying. No, no. Are we the same person? Like, no. What? That's, that's a little alarming because I don't, I've never met many pathologists other than my I don't father. know any other pathologists. <laughs> random thing to be like I remember my dad explaining that's it to the child crazy. he was like you know I studied blood and you know like stool samples and I'm like gross super gross that's wild I mean my dad my dad was is very uh academic himself and like really likes to teach so he'll like he would bring us into the lab and I just remember like walking in and seeing like a leg on yeah. his like thing and he was like taking out the cancer from the uh, I, that that's just like seared into my brain and um yeah he works with his he our, my dad recently sent a tiktok to our family whatsapp group of a doctor and his um his microscope and it was like it was a doctor in therapy and it was like a pathologist in therapy you don't he has no emotional problems, no nothing. A therapist's like, yeah, you're, I mean, you're perfect. Your mental health is perfect. Why do you, you don't need to be here. And then the, the, the pathologist goes, hear that, Sam? We're perfect. And then the therapist's like, who's Sam? And then he brings out his whole microscope and he's like, Sam, this is like my friend Sam. And I was dying because my dad works in a lab with his microscope, looking at slides, dictating at slides all day, every day. And I was just like, that is, and I literally said, Baba, is this like, are you trying to tell us something? Like, do you, what's the name of your microscope? And he never responded to that. My dad just sends Facebook videos, TikToks, expects us to watch all of them. But like, if you say something, no, never says anything. No, no, no. It's I'm, always just the random video, no context. And it could be... No context. Oh, and 100% forwarded. My dad's not on TikTok. No. He's forwarded yes. messages on WhatsApp that are TikToks. And honestly, I just got off of a pretty like... Uh, I mean, him have been talking all day. My dad was hardcore pitching me a new, when I say my dad has never pitched me like this before in my life, he always says, you know, like, oh, maybe you should do this or consider doing this or whatever. This time I call him and he goes, I have an idea for you for your next podcast. I think you should do a, a series. I mean, he, it's not a bad idea. It's just like not really what I want to do. But he was like, I think you should do a series investigating the differences between the Iraq war and like the the Iraq invasion by the U.S. and Russia and Ukraine. And then he was like listing all the historians I could talk to, all the academics and all this stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh. My, meanwhile, my head is about to explode because I'm so deep into working on our sixth episode, which is like a really big episode because it's the first of the second half where we broke up rep into two halves. And I was just like, wow. And he's like, he was like asking me about how iHeart has been feeling about the series and it's so funny because I haven't done an investigative series uh, before this since sold in America. And I needed, I literally needed years to recuperate from that experience. And so I like me and Adam will joke and call, I, I like call myself the Frank Ocean of journalism. Like I don't, I'm not always doing this kind of work because I physically can't take it. Like it's just, that's not because of the style of reporting that I do. Obviously people do, breaking news, war coverage all day, every day. And we can talk about the mental health issues that come with that. But as a, as a human being, like I can, the only way that I feel comfortable telling stories is if I spend a lot of time, like I have, I look at a story and I have the only way that I'll take it on is if I know that this is actually not going to be the story that I'm telling. Like the beginning, like for example, when I did sold in America, my intention was to examine 
the sex trafficking in the United States. And within a month, I was like, oh, this isn't about sex trafficking. It's about the whole sex trade because you can't talk about sex trafficking without talking about sex work, without talking about survival sex, without talking about the opioid crisis, without talking about youth homelessness, without talking about trans issues. Like that's the only way that you can tell that story properly. So with this, I thought it was going to be examining the misrepresentation of Muslims in American media and how that impacts American culture and society as a whole and then very quickly, God was like, LOL, just kidding. Like, <laughs> no, that's too small for you. And also, it's like, even when it did start out as that, I just, I thought I knew, I thought I knew the story, but I didn't. So it's like you have, it's so, it's so interesting pitches and coming up with ideas and stuff. It's like when you're in a room pitching to a network or a studio or whatever. Also, I'm going on a total tangent, but I'm Please. just thinking out loud right now. But when you do that and you go in and you pitch all of these concepts and I'm just like, I wish I could just tell you that it's not going to be this, but it's going to be better than this. But if you're willing to buy this, then you just trust me. And I'm really lucky that iHeart basically did that (laughs) because they like never, they were like, we love your brain and like, yeah, let's go for this. And it's absolutely not what I said it was going to be, but they are really loving that. Um, That's so rare. That's so rare. I'm so grateful. But yeah, so it's like if we, I mean, and I guess it all just comes back to control, right? Because we, when you control the story and you want it to be this one thing, and I did that a lot. Like I wanted to have all these specific interviews. These are the people I'm going to talk about. This is a story I'm going to examine. Bada bing, bada boom, I can make my deadline. And that was like so limiting and so boring because then you miss out on the story that's waiting to reveal itself to you. So that's where I'm at now completely drained and exhausted, but constantly being revealed to. I mean, what things are you doing to take care of yourself though right now? Because that exhaustion and that draining over time, you know, it accumulates and, you know, burnout and all those things are very real. Are you taking the time to, you know, be like, what does Noor need? Like, you know, what what can I do to, to make sure that I can keep doing this thing that I love doing? Because you know, even if you love something, you can still experience just like that. Totally. Oh my gosh. I mean, every single day I think about the day that this is going to be over, (laughs) (laughs) but I love it so much. I love it so much. There's absolutely nothing I would rather be doing right now than this, but that's also like the process of telling a story is the end result is so beautiful and stuff. And it's great. And it's every time I listen to a final episode, I'm like, what? You said what? You did what? I'm listening to it as if I'm listening to it for the first time. And that's because like when you're so in the process and in the journey, you're not really, I'm not, I I like not speak. This is very a personal experience. I'm not like thinking about all of that. I'm, I'm grateful that I have the team and I am kind of in this like uh, almost like survive, like militant survival mode about getting the stories done, but I'm not getting the stories done to meet the publishing date that I have to meet. I'm getting the stories done so that I, it's like a boot camp for my soul. I'm getting it done because like, I need to get to the breakthrough. I need to get to the breakthrough. And ev- and that that's really what I've been just doing is like this intense soul boot camp that is like every single day a breakthrough. Sometimes it looks like a breakdown, but those are always breakthroughs too. And that's, that is the commitment. The caring for yourself part of it is like, I learned that the hard way at the very beginning, but also I came better equipped this time. This is a lot more intense work, surprisingly, than the sex trafficking work, which was some of the hardest work I've ever done. But this was like, that was like, I was exploring an issue that was a pretty universal issue that, which is just exploitation and sexual violence, which like most people don't agree is an okay thing, but I had to make it all of our problems. Like right now, not every, like people don't realize the role they play in that. So that was like an issue outside of myself, but like kind of dancing around myself because it did start. I did do that because of a personal experience, but this was like, this was like, you have to go into like the deepest, deepest parts of your like concept of self. Like I, I was like, Noor, you cannot be willing to go on this journey unless you question everything you currently believe in right now. 
I have, to, I have to question my religion, my faith, my decision to wear hijab, my decision to be who I am, my decision to be a journalist. So I have to question what I actually believe happen, like happens after we die. Like I have to question all of those things every single, all the time. And I have to question what my role is and my responsibility is in, in the misrepresentation of people who I happen to be a part of the, the like community or the group, which is a whole other thing that I've realized is like, everyone is an individual person. Like just because both of our dads are pathologists and both of our names are Noor and we happen to both be super fly and we both like to ask people questions. Like we have a lot in common and yet like you are your own independent individual human being outside of all of those things. Absolutely. And that's why like your story is important, but you have to know that. And I think that especially when you grow up in like a faith community, you have you naturally I mean think about every every like chutzpah you go to or whatever it's like we need to do this and we need to do that and this is the problem whatever and I'm just like brother have you taken personal accountability for things yet and I'm not saying that they haven't but I'm like what like I want to hear somebody up on the member who's like not, I mean, and I haven't really listened to many lectures recently, so I shouldn't be acting like I do. But <laughs> I want to hear somebody up on the member who's literally like, you know, I've really been struggling yeah. with like if God is real today. Like I want to hear that. And I, I'm i like so drawn to truth. Like I want, I want to hear people and meet people in their deepest truth. The next episode actually of the series that's coming out is literally called The Truth Truth. So – in conclusion, the way I take care of myself, because I know how to bring it back, <laughs> is I jump in a, like a cold pond every single day. I mean, I live up in the mountains and I didn't know, like Adam, I tell Adam this all the time, like the best gift you ever gave me was like making, like be, being, he like found this place and was like, we're going to move up to the mountains. And I was like, okay, because he has the best ideas and makes the best decisions really. And I, it's literally like the best gift that I feel like he's ever given me. And jumping in the pond, being able to, I have a guest cabin that has no service, has a view of the mountains. And I'm there like at least once a week painting, um, dancing and singing really loud and stretching and crying and laughing and doing whatever I want. That's like my, it's, we call it the cathedral because it has a cathedral window and it, it is like that. I call the pond the womb because I feel like I'm jumping into the, I literally talk to the pond before I jump in and I say, thank you so much for holding me today. And today I want to let go of yesterday. I said today, yesterday I said, I want to let go of, um, feeling really low fatigue, uh, anxiety over like if I'm doing this, whatever part, right. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and I release that. And when I come out of the pond, like, thank you. And then I say, thank you for carrying it for me. So that's like, that. those are like my, I would say my two big things. And then anytime I'm working on, um, an, an investigative story. Oh, and the thing that I I'm doing this time that I learned too late last time is I, um, I was going to therapy pretty regularly for a couple of months during this, like, I really enjoy therapy, but I also figure things out from, I therapize myself a lot. And I don't say that with like a, I'm so good at whatever. I just like know my brain. Like I, I figured things out. So I like was working with this therapist who I was giving me language and tools so that I could do that. And that was really helpful. And then, um, while I'm working on investigative series, I watch a lot of animation. I watch a lot of adult cartoons. Like adult animation is my favorite genre of television. When I was are we doing like Family Guy, like what kind of adult animation are we talking? Family about? Guy is what Family Guy is like what I'll fall like we'll fall asleep to sometimes. I'm like, eh, whatever. Adam like really is trying keeps trying to get me into South Park, but it's just like, I don't know. Sometimes it hits it's hit or miss. But um when I was doing sold I watched – that was when I watched all of Rick and Morty and I came across Rick and Morty and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the best thing I've ever watched. Like before that, the best animation that I had watched was Avatar Last Airbender, which like I still watch every other year. And then now like it was it, it was a lot of 
Rick and Morty, BoJack Horseman, but then that got pretty dark. But I mean, yeah. I still love BoJack a lot. Um, what, Solar Opposites, which is like the same creators of Rick and Morty. I found this like show on uh, Netflix called Midnight Gospel, which is just such a trip. It's so wild. Um, Big Mouth. We love Big Mouth. And they did that spinoff of Big Mouth of like the hormone monsters. So we watched that. That was pretty hilarious. Um, no, but it's really great though to like watch something very light to like decompress, especially when you're, you know, spending most of your time investigating very heavy emotional topics and, and feeling things and discovering things and questioning things. Like I, I think that it helps keep this sense of balance by watching something just super light and and totally. easy and just letting your brain kind of shut off for a minute and just like having a good time. Like remember having a good time? <laughs> yeah. I I do have really good times working on stories that are heavy too. It's it's so funny. To, <laughs> I don't know. I it's um I've been listening to like a lot of new music lately while I've been working on this because I like I said yeah, oh my gosh, I'm so happy because I was really bummed that I kept listening to the same emo kid music like that's forever. Like that's where yeah. I always go to. Like my cat's name is Mayday. Like I named her after please, Mayday Parade. Please, I did not know that that's why that was her name. I yeah. now love your cat so deeply because – Well, my cat is literally a puppy. She like plays fetch. She's oh my wild. God. I'm obsessed with her. I originally wanted a black cat to name Mayday because of like, you're like the black cat with a black backpack full of fireworks, gonna burn the city down right now. Anyway, you can't, I can't start without stopping that. <laughs> um, stop without start. So yeah, I named her Mayday. Anyway, I, I, during that era, I loved finding new music. Like this is LimeWire, pure yep. volume. I was yep. just telling Adam, God, I miss I love watching music videos and I really miss like watching Fuse and MTV and just being able to wake up Sunday morning and see AFI's Miss Murder video or 30 Seconds to Mars the Kill. Like loved that. And um, I just haven't been as impressed with like new music, like just the music that we hear on the radio and stuff. And so I stuck to the classics, the classics, but um, been listening to a lot of new music because I realized obviously there's a lot to be discovered. I just wasn't, I haven't been putting in the same high school level effort into discovering right. music and it's been freaking amazing, dude. People are making so much beautiful art. I'm so interested in the art that people are making right now. The one, the art that they've made during COVID like Florence and the machine is my favorite artist and the album, her new album dance fever, which like she hadn't released an album in like, I think four years before that highest hope dance fever was like the buildup. It was like, it's like the project that she was working towards her whole career. And I heard that in the music. And then I watched her Zane Lowe interview and she said exactly that. And I was like, I felt that I was like, that was not human. And I always think that about Florence. Cause she's like such an angel, witch human. <laughs> and, um, and so I'm really like drawn to finding, uh, finding the people who are doing that. I actually recently made a playlist called "New Music That Doesn't Suck" because I have felt as though a lot of new music, <laughs> it's just not, it's not doing it for me. It's not making That's me feel such a great name the way that I felt, like you said, when I was in high school, and I would like you know be on LimeWire for hours downloading songs individually, like searching. Just for them to end up being the Bill Clinton clip. (laughs) Just for them to end up being the way that I thought that I can't, God, what, you know the song, come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was by The Cure for maybe 10 years because when I downloaded it on LimeWire, it said it was by The Cure and I've never been more embarrassed about anything in my life because I'm a music elitist. <laughs> and so that's a really embarrassing thing. But I was like, no, it's by The Cure. Like, look at it right here. It's like on my iPod. Um, but no, I was incorrect. And But I will say a lot of the emo indie rock musicians that I grew up really loving and connecting with. And I feel like their albums still to this day, I'm like, it holds up. It still sounds great. I can still listen to this album start to finish. They're making new music. And again, some of it 
it's like, uh, but I, Interpol, I don't know if you ever got into Interpol. They have been releasing new music and it's so good. And my teenage really? self is sincerely overjoyed. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think their new album might have just came out or is coming out. Very exciting to me, but also I'm a little scared because I'm like, what if, what if I don't love it? And sometimes I do this thing when I love an artist so much and they release music after like years, I'm scared to hear it because I'm scared that like it's going to ruin the image of them that I have, which is such a... Oh, I know what you mean. And <sighs> I'll tell you, this is... Okay, can I share with you like how I've combated that thought? Because I was Call just me, thinking please. about that. Because there are so many emo bands that are starting to release new music again and drop albums because there's this like whole renaissance that's happening right now. And I realized that... And I think that that's actually why... like. For a lot of those bands, there's like only maybe one or two albums of theirs that I'll listen to. And it's because it was like that stamp of like panic at the disco. Like I don't know any of their other albums other than a fever you can't sweat out, but I do know every single word to that song to that entire album. Same with Taking Back Sunday and Getting Louder Now. Like that's like those are like those I and I feel terrible as a fan because I'm like you weren't really fall, which is why I've been actually going back lately and listening to other, uh, some of their other albums. I was like, you're not following their growth. But as yeah. kids, we were so drawn to the sound and the way the sound made me feel. But now as an adult, like a lot of these lyrics are, I'm like, oh, I get, you know, one thing that I noticed, so many of these bands were talking about religion. They were talking oh, yeah. about Christianity yeah. and, and there's, there's also so many Christian rock bands, right. But there, and I also grew up in a pretty conservative, like small town. So I listened to a lot of Christian rock without even realizing that that's what it was, which like, I love, I mean, that was great. And, um, and so now when I, when they release new music, I, I take it, I listen to it curiously and not giving that like side of me that expectation because I'm like the yeah, yeah, yeahs we're always so legendary that like, I'm so curious to know what story they're telling right now. Like, and maybe I'll only listen to the album one time, but I will, I'll read the lyrics, I'll dance to it and I'll celebrate their growth. This is like so deep, I know, but like, it's just, I felt the same way. And I was like, but I do want to enjoy it. And so I'm, I thought about that with, um, I actually started thinking this way when Fiona Apple dropped Fetch the Bolt Cutters. It was so and good. That album is to me like the my favorite album of hers to listen to. And I was like, she waited decades to release that. And I felt that, oh my gosh, I'm gonna listen to that today. I haven't listened to it in a bit. But that was all I listened to for like the first six months of the pandemic. And I just I think that like I get excited to see people that I admire show us that side of them. Like this Florence album is so, I mean, she's so honest always, but this is like, okay, cool. Like, thank you for, like, it's so generous. That's what I'll say. People are so generous with their stories. And that's how I'm going to start approaching like the rest of this emo renaissance. So I just want to know, unless you like totally sold out and became like poppy and you yeah, just don't, focus on that. Don't be a and that was, Then I'm like, eh. I mean, to each their own, like get your bag I, when you can right now. Cause like that's how music is. But, and then I just never have to listen to it again. And that's fine. Cause it's not my business. Exactly. But no, I will say the strokes, the new yeah. album, well, that album also came out at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was like the only thing keeping me going was that I was like, oh, I'm going to just walk around and listen to this album I'm gonna just drive around and listen to it alone and like I felt like I really was able to take the time to appreciate their new music as opposed to you know if it wasn't a pandemic probably yeah. wouldn't have taken that yeah. time totally they were actually one of the last we saw them on the on New Year's Eve like for New Year's Eve um right before the pandemic started and I mean, I've seen them, but, but I'm still jealous. It's amazing. Yeah, I just, anytime anyone has seen them, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, <laughs> wasn't very pretty after that, but, but yeah. um, 
Yemen. Wait, well, let me ask you this. Was, was Julian, was he like singing into the mic? Because I know for a while he was just kind of going on stage and mumbling and hitting himself in the face with the mic. So was mm. he actually singing this time when you saw him? <laughs> She's a crazy saying- night. And um, I don't entirely, <laughs> this is sound crazy, <laughs> you don't entirely remember. I also remember me and Adam leaving a little uh, early and walking like six miles home. Oh my God. So yeah. Um, so I, I can miles home. I'm dead. It was so fun. It was crazy. Also, I do think another creepy parallel that you're not aware of that I'm going to now inform you of is when my mom gave birth to my third sister, she wanted to name her Noor, but my uncle, her brother had a daughter maybe like a month before he named his daughter Noor al-Islam. So my mom was like, you know what? No. I'm going to name her Shrook. So my mom just had this name Noor in the back of her head. My mom gets pregnant with me. The doctor says it's going to be a boy. My brother, I only have one brother, gets very excited. He's like, can I pick the name? My mom was like, go for it. My brother picks the name Adam for me. (laughs) Okay, Adam. And I'm born, I'm obviously, you know, I was not a boy. And so they were like, oh, I guess we should just name her Noor. But my brother called me Adam for years. Like, would just call me Adam. Like, he was in denial. Like, no, 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 I have a brother. But I do think it's hilarious because that's hilarious. I don't know. That's I'm like amazing. It's just, I'm like, there's always just these creepy little things, and I'm like, what? Like, what is going on? And like, I. It's so funny because like I knew who you were. Like I knew of you. I remember you did. Um, you were in Playboy, fully clothed. She was in Playboy, and I was like, oh, this girl is so cool. And and her name is Noor, and like my name is Noor, so I love that. And. I think that I became like more and more aware of you though, because the first time we <laughs> had a conversation was because brands were constantly yeah. sending me mail or, or emailing me till this day and addressing me as Noor Tajuri. And I was like, what is going on right now? And That's so funny. It was, so, it was honestly, I think like speaking about like, you know, identity and like self sense of self and like just all of those things, I became so aware of it as these things continued to happen to me because I realized that like for a lot of people who might not be familiar with, you know, Muslims and women who wear hijab and, you know, just in general, all the different countries that exist because Libya, Palestine not the same place um but to them we are very much just kind of like one general thing and Mm -hmm. there's so little understanding of you know the different types of identity which is why when you came out with rep and I listened to the first episode with your family which is a beautiful episode like truly guys if you haven't listened to rep you should but also that episode is so beautiful she has her little brother. He's one of the first people to speak on it. I love the name Yasin also. Um, but I think that it made me very aware, though, that representation is more important than I think I ever was able to fully like fathom prior to that. Like, no, it's it's really important that we show who we are and people are able to like identify us. And at that point, I was just posting like a lot of outfit photos and things like that. And I I really made it a point to like let who I was and my personality and my identity and my heritage come through more Mm. in my online visibility because not that there is anything wrong with being confused for someone, but it's like, this should not be continuously happening. You should be able to decipher the difference between two different Muslim women. And it just... Once you become aware of something like that, you never stop noticing it. And it was just like this constant thing that I could not, you know, escape. I just could not stop seeing it. Even now people confuse me and my friend Maria, we look nothing alike. We don't have the same name. And yet people still insist that she's Noor and I'm Maria. And it's like, all they see is a hijab. And that's, that's the only thing that they see. And, you know, seeing you create something like rep is for me, like so important because we're moving in the direction of kind of, 
I don't want to say forcing people, but kind of forcing people to recognize that there are so many different types of not just Muslims, but people in general. And, and you need to listen to their stories and allow them to represent themselves and then acknowledge that and then respect them for who they are. And because it does, at certain points, it feels a little disrespectful. It feels dismissive. It feels, you know, like you're not even taking a moment to, to make sure who you're speaking to because we're all just the same to you. And it's, it's something that I've noticed people are more aware of. People are taking the time to educate themselves on, but it's still happening. So it's still an issue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm. that's kind of how all of this started too, because I was so frustrated with how much, how often I got misrepresented or misidentified that I, I literally was like, okay, I have to investigate this next. Like, this is actually, I have to like make this a call. Like, I'm like, clearly this is a theme in my life. You have to interrogate the themes that show up in your life. And the way that I like to do that happens to be through stories. But I decided to like try to figure that out. And honestly, you know, to the place that I kept going back to in the beginning is I can't do this without knowing myself first. And I, I'm like super introspective. I thought I knew myself and I thought I knew who I was, but I think because I've been in a like public space for over 10 years, I knew the like vulnerable version of myself that I was good at presenting, which wasn't inauthentic. It wasn't not me. It just wasn't all of me. And I'm still figuring that out. Like, I'm funny as shit. I'm so funny. Like, I make <laughs> myself laugh. And I just, like, never – which is why I love being in person so much. Like, in-person events and speaking at in-person events too. Like, I'm always joking. But I – like, for a while I realized, oh, I don't let myself be funny, like, online because I don't want anybody to, like – I, there, there has to be trust for there to be like for, I mean, I just interviewed my friend Hassan Minhaj for the episode that's coming out next of Rep. And he has a completely different approach, obviously, on being funny. He's an actual comedian. But um, I was, I realized like, oh, story is my path. Like telling stories in this like very intimate way is my path. And I have to be able to do that with myself first so that I can continue figuring out why we get misrepresented and misidentified so much. And I know I'm mad about it, but why am I mad? Do I even know why I should be mad about this? Because if it's just because it hurts your feelings or if it's ego or if it's like, that's just so annoying, which it, all of those things, yes to all of that. But there's actually a really uh, important reason to be upset about it and not upset to just like sulk in a corner. Like that's why I don't, I try not to use language like that, but upset like in and motivated and invigorated to do something about it is because Misidentify, misidentification and misrepresentation hurts everybody. Like when you generalize people, you're dehumanizing them. When you label people, you're dehumanizing them. And you're le like, you are doing a disservice to yourself because you're saying, I am going to see this person as only this. When, when brands look at you and then they look at me and like, they continuously mix us up without doing their work or their research. I'm like, damn, I feel bad for you because I'm cool as shit. She's cool as shit. And we're totally different people. And you're not getting to that because you have seen us for like this thing that we wear, this like one two dimensional identity that you have put on us, which by the way, like you don't even understand. So for you to look at me through just that lens is not only not like looking at me like for something that I wear, you're looking at me for this thing that in your life represents comp something completely different than it does in mine. Like a hijab to you might mean a chic silk scarf. A hijab to you might mean what you saw on television growing up on shows like Homeland. Like that's the, that actually is the lens that you're looking at me through. And that to me is like, we are missing out on true interconnectedness 
when we are not able to see people as individualized, unique human beings. Like I have, I really, one of the things I had to interrogate for myself on this journey is the concept of identity and labels. Like, why did, like, why do people introduce me as a Libyan journalist? I've only been to Libya twice. Like, I, I actually am not as familiar with Libyan culture as I am with like the American culture that I have or the Libyan American Muslim culture that I have, which is also very unique to the like Palestinian American culture from Florida that you will have. Like, and even those things are still limiting. So like, it comes down to, hey, my name is Nur al-Hudatajuri. I'm this like one person. And even my name is something that's given to me. It's not something that is me. It was something that was given to me. But this is an entryway for you to like get to know me. And if you want to get to know me and we connect and there's a way for us to build together or to engage together and we would like to, then like let's continue forward. And and thinking about this has actually completely transformed how I even approach working with brands because I we had to really sit with that. Like every single time I say yes to a brand I have to ask myself why, like what, what is the, what is the reason for this? If it's only because of a paycheck, but everything else is excused, then for me personally, that's not the decision I want to make. And as a result, we've said no way more times than we've said, we've said yes. And I remember Adam, cause he also manages me. He was like, we're going to start saying yes to fewer things, but they're going to be bigger, better, more intentional and exactly what you want to do. And I was like, cool, trust you. And that's what ended up happening simply because we set set that intention because those opportunities started coming our way. And I remember I had this friend who told me this a long time ago too. He was, and he was a CMO for one of the biggest brands in the world. And he was like, People like we, I, we pay attention to what you say yes to like, and not that it matters, like it doesn't, but if that's something that you care about, like every time you say yes to something, you're also, you're making that a part of your story. And so my question is always like, what role does this have in my story? And is this the story that I want to be telling? And if it is, then amazing, make it your own and do the thing that only you would be able to do. And if not, then then it wasn't meant for you and it was actually meant for someone else. Like another thing that we'll do is like, if just because something isn't the right fit doesn't mean it wasn't like an awesome brand. It just wasn't the right fit for me. And so we'll just, we'll be like, no, this isn't the right fit for me, but we know this one person who would be, who might be perfect for this. And that's like one of my favorite things to do too, because that's a part of, of building, but all of that had to, all of that required me intimately getting to know myself, which is a continuing journey. But the only way I was going to start like having for me feeling like I had a reason, not only a reason to be upset with something, but an, a like an answer, like what to do about it was if I spent time knowing who I was first. And that is what I thought, like that was the work that I knew I was going to be doing. I remember I used to always tell my team, the access and the story is going to be the easiest thing. I know everybody I'm interviewing, most of them. But the processing of the information is going to be the hardest thing I've ever done. And that is what I need you to be patient with. I'll get you the interviews, but like some, there have been times where we've written entire episodes and had to scrap the whole thing and start over because I have, I have a huge breakthrough and I'm like, oh, that wasn't the story we were meant to tell. And thank God they've trusted me through that because because <laughs> it's so it's it's really difficult. But but yeah, I found myself after listening to the first episode of Rep like really really thinking about when was the first time I felt represented in mainstream yeah. media. Yeah, and, and this is very sad though, Noor, because I was like, I think it was when I watched Aladdin and Jeannie totally. was singing "Friend and Me," and he writes down on like a piece of paper, some letters in Arabic. And I, I didn't know, I don't even know if I know how to read English at that point. I was a small child, but I was like, I know those are Arabic letters. And I was like, wow, Arabic letters. 
only to later find out that he was writing in Farsi. So yes, it is Arabic letters, but it's not the Arabic language. And so <laughs> I felt seen by something that wasn't even really fully about me or any, you know what I mean? And I'm like, but that's still important. That was so important still. I mean, uh, Adam watched the Aladdin tape until it disintegrated until it Mm -hmm. fell off. Aladdin. Like that was also one of the first, I had kids at school call me princess Jasmine all the time. I'm sure you went through that too. And it's like, it was like the only time I was able to be proud of like, but now as an adult, when you watch it and I had, and when we saw the live action, we took my siblings and I had to talk to my talk, talk to Yassine the whole time. I was so upset. I was like, Yassine, we have to have a whole conversation about why, like all of the problematic stuff in this because he's <laughs> just so smart. And I knew that what Aladdin had represented to us and that now we know better. I mean, the fact that nobody has like a Arabi accent in their English unless they're a villain or oppressing in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, some people happen to be able to speak perfect English and some yeah. people just don't. And um, I mean, and there's so many things like just there's so many things, but, and you know what? And as kids, we loved that movie and that's totally okay too. Like, I think that now um, as we're like, now look at what Disney just put out. Like Yassine just got to watch Moon Knight, the new Marvel series that takes place in ancient Egypt. And it is so phenomenal. It was one of the best series I've ever watched. It was so good. And it, I like teared up hearing the music because the scoring was so beautiful. It was directed by this guy named Hamid Diab, and um, and Yassine was so excited about it. And I, and I was like, he doesn't even realize how lucky he is. He got this. He's like, he's seeing more representation than I ever have in my whole life, and I'm so grateful for that. And when he watches a film like the live action Aladdin, we're going to have a conversation about it so that he's aware of what he's watching. Like one of uh, last year during the 20th anniversary of nine 11, he had this like obsession of watching nine 11 documentaries and series. And there's a lot of stuff that was coming out around then. And my mom was telling me about it and I was like, Oh my gosh, we have to talk to him. Like, he's so curious. I want to know why he's so obsessed, which I, I realized that was actually something cause it was, he was born on the 10-year anniversary. And this was something that we all witnessed, but he didn't. That That's like history to him. So, and he loves history in general, but um, he doesn't know that that, like he doesn't comprehend that that event completely shaped the world that he lives in today. And it all started actually, because he asked my mom, why do we have to take our shoes off at the airport? And he was just frustrated that he had to do that. Um so he's watching all these documentaries and I ask him, do you like, are there any American Muslims who are being interviewed? Because that's obviously a very important voice in the story. And he was like, no, no, they were all American. And the way he said that they were all American is what like, like felt like a punch to my stomach because I was looking at this like little kid and I was like, you're American. Like I was talking about something else. Like that's how he saw it. And um, and it's so much better because he has more access. But what I realized is even though that's that sucks, having that conversation, I wish I was able to have that conversation as a kid. I mean, I'm obviously now we've gone through these learnings so that we're able to do that. But I'm so grateful that I'm able to talk to him about that. And now I'm able, like my mom's able to talk to him about that because that's like, She's starting to think about that stuff because of the work that I'm doing too. And um, and that's what we, I, I, I mean, there are these huge issues around representation and really like being seen. And also sometimes we just need the tools and language to be able to properly observe it so that we're like throwing up these super shields and protecting ourselves from internalizing these narratives to be our own. Because that's what happens at the end of the day is like you – can watch that and then you all you can watch Aladdin as a kid and then also internalize like the story of the oppressed girl in Jasmine mm-hmm. or like the, the need to like run away with a boy and like be free mm-hmm. and because you may have similar experiences that touch on certain themes around that but that was like the representation the only representation you saw that felt like your whole life 
like those, there's these like little intricacies of how these storylines bleed into our own. And we take them as truths, but we can also be like, you know what? I'm going to just like take you off. I don't have to wear you anymore. You're like not the story that I want to wear. And then that requires you to ask, okay, well then what is? And that's where things get fun because you get to be curious and open because you realize, oh, you're an individual human being. No one can actually tell you what to do. You can completely be your own human. And now you, what what does that look like when you put it to the test? I'm really interesting, interested, not interesting. I am really interesting, but I am really interested in whether or not you always felt connected to your Libyan heritage. Like, was that something that you always like felt like this this makes sense to me. Like I feel super connected. Oh, absolutely to not. No yeah. way. Dude, I didn't feel I one of my aim screen names I'm ready was for Italian not, Italian, not Italian prep prep forever. I Dude, literally not can't. Italian. That is the Libyan colonizer. Because wow. nobody nobody oh. knew what I know this is a very embarrassing thing that I've never shared with anyone actually, but it's okay. Cause it's so, cause like I, I forgive that young we part of me who was like, she was so brainwashed. Like people didn't know what Libya was and the representation around Libya that there, that did exist was about Gaddafi and terrorism. And so when people like tried to figure out where my family was, I, re- I realized it was just easier. This is this was the logic. I was like, it's just easier for me to call myself Italian. We look Italian. And the Libyan language is Arabic mixed with Italian, like the slang and the, yeah. the dialect. Because and what little no didn't know at the time was because of them colonizing. Mm-hmm. And my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather was like fought in that war. And and has there's like a whole crazy story about him going missing during that war and i didn't that but i was obviously i was like 11 so it doesn't i'm like you were trying to make yourself more palatable without realizing that that's what you were yeah so i mean it didn't last very long that that's what i would tell people but there was this period that that's what i identified as and then outside of that like i just did everything to not have people ask me about that i mean it's so wild because i just look my I looked different because my hair was a little bit darker than everybody and not many people had brown eyes like where I lived. At least that's like the story that I internalized. Yeah. I always thought that that was true. And then I like went through my yearbooks and realized that 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 actually wasn't entirely true. It was mainly true in like my friend group. But when you're in elementary school and in middle school, like that's the school that you see. That's the representation you see. Yeah. It's a lot to unpack, but, um, and I was a kid obviously, but, uh, yeah. So I, and I'm, I mean, even with my Libyan heritage now, I think it was only in the last handful of years. I mean, of course, when I went to Libya, it was amazing. Like I have this like really sad little story that I tell myself about like my relationship with my identity growing up. But my childhood best friend, Hannah, just like texted me remembering that summer I got back from Libya where I brought her kohol. And I brought like her and a couple of other friends kohol and they thought it was the coolest thing. And she was just telling me how like cool she thought that was and I was like damn like I didn't know that you guys thought that that was cool yeah like I was kind of a little you know I wasn't so embarrassed I was I was like I thought it was cool that I was traveling in the summer because nobody really traveled and um maybe honestly traveling was how I started like building up the courage to have that identity but you know what I came back with from Libya that summer I came back with colored eye contacts because in Libya that was like so trendy like my cousin had just worn them for her wedding and I came back with blonde highlights and colored contacts. And I was like, wow, went to Libya, came back, still colonized bitch. Like literally a lot of, because it's all the, they, they're internalizing the same things that we are. And they're like, this is, this is what On a way bigger like. scale. Too. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting too, because I have cousins who happen to like also be blonde hair and blue eyed. 
And I just remember seeing how different people would treat them. And I was just like, that's so, there's something about this just seems really interesting. It's, it's, it's funny to think about the tests that you had to go through as a kid to be able to like make those observations. Um, but we love her. We love little Nur because at the end of the day, she was still curious enough to ask. No. Yeah. We, and, we uh, love all little Nours. Uh, this is a, this is a Noor uh, elitism group. Hell yeah. yeah. You're just, you're, you're, you've infiltrated the, the best Nours. <laughs> but no, I mean, I remember when we would travel and come back for the new school year, because we would travel every summer, my mom would buy gifts for my teachers. And I remember being so embarrassed, because I'm like, why can't you just give my teacher something normal, like a gift card or something? Like, why do we need to give a little, you know, like small camel statue from Egypt? And like, again, not realize while your teacher is like, over the moon about it, because that's the like, most special thing anybody has ever gotten her. Yeah. And I would just remember being like, oh, like, why can't we just be like everyone else and just give the teacher something more? Like, I was so embarrassed to bring yeah. these things, which I mean, the teachers always loved it. But like, even as a kid, I was like, oh, they're just being polite. Like, they're, you know what I mean? Just it's very actually much. like incredibly thoughtful. Like, it's such yeah. a special gift because your mom went abroad, which most, most people don't get to do, thought about the teacher got something, brought it back in a suitcase and brought it to her, man, your teacher still probably has that camel statue. Probably. And I mean, I will say my mom was a teacher for years, professor, like she's always been in education and academics. So I think she also just, when it comes to teachers, it's like, no, we're not getting them a bullshit gift card. We're getting them something. We'll get them the gift card, but we're going to get them something really special, something thoughtful. My mom, my mom loves teachers, um, but I, I I wish she loved them less so she could retire. But unfortunately, this woman she loves teachers more than she loves anything. But that's awesome. I, I think back to that, and it's so interesting because where where I grew up and where I went to school, I don't think anyone knew that I was Arab. I don't know what they thought I was, but I don't know that anyone knew that I was Arab or that I was Palestinian or anything like that because. My older sister who didn't wear a hijab would pick me up from school a lot. So it was only when my mom would come pick me up, which everyone thought she was my grandma, which that's a whole other issue that I've been literally just recently unpacking how that affected me as a child where because my mom had me when she was older and everyone thought she was my grandma, like it really upset me. Like I got a DM like two months ago from someone saying your grandma is so cute and I got irrationally angry about it. Like, you, like uh-huh. and I started crying. Like, I literally was, as I was talking about it, I was getting so worked up that I started crying because it just, like, reopened all of those, like, emotions that I had when I was a child of people identifying my mom as my grandma because she right. looked older. And then also you put a hijab on it. I mean, I've been getting called ma'am since I was 10 years or 11 years old, since I started wearing hijab. It's like, oh, you're wearing a hijab, so you're ma'am now. But um, right. Yeah, it just it's so interesting though that no one even questioned it. Like I think they were just like, "Oh, well, you don't have an accent when you speak and you have a lighter skin tone, so we don't know what you are, but you're something that we're okay with." You know what I mean? Like I was accepted and and uh, you know, all the mm-hmm. Laurens and Britneys were cool being my friend and I wonder if if they were aware of where I was from or that I was different than them, if that would have changed that, because I have seen that in my other nieces and nephews that people can visibly see that they're more different than they could with me. And there is a little bit of a, still a difference that you see even within children of like, you look different than me and I can't put my finger on it. So like, I'm scared and I'm gonna not allow myself to be super close with you because there's something different and it's maybe that's also a protection though. I think about that a lot as like the way that as kids were not able to pick up on people's biases all the time or the way that they like might project their feelings because we're a little bit oblivious. Like that is so that we can, can like, so we, so the, the image that we have of the world isn't like, 
just shat on so quickly. Yeah. But also the fact that you reacted to the DM and your body reacted to that is like, I'm curious, like, do you think that maybe you felt that way? Is it a defense of, are you feeling protective over your mom? Yes. Or Uh, is it? It's because it hurt her feelings. And I remember even as a child seeing the look on her face when people would say, oh, is this your granddaughter? And it, I just remember that look on her face totally. and I like, it made me like, I was about to fight this and this girl did nothing wrong. She was just being sweet, nice. Like she yeah. wasn't trying to attack me or my mom. She has no idea. But like, I was so worked up. I was livid and I was like talking about it to my mom and my sister and I started crying and my mom was like, no, like it's, it's fine. Like she, she it was an honest mistake. Like, and I was like, no, like uh-huh. it just like, why what what is this like ageist society we live in and all these arbitrary ideas of like how old your mother should appear to be because like I mean my mom did have me when she was 40 but you know what yeah my mom had my little brother when she was 40 I I, I think about this a lot I think that's so your mom's so cute that she uh she also (laughs) said that but I think it's like interesting to think about at this point right now because a lot of us I think our our generation is tending to have children a lot older than our parents generation like having a kid at the age of 40 to me is like yeah a lot of my friends who are 40 are having kids now like that that just like makes sense so I wonder um if a part of healing that too is going to is like thinking about how like (laughs) your mom was just more progressive. Like she was just like, it's just, she just had that experience and like, she like, that's just cool. Like that was her experience. That's Oh no. It's so crazy though, because the older I get, the more I realize my mom has been rebellious and breaking stereotypes her entire life. Just love that constantly. And I'm like, are you aware that this is what you were doing? Or were you just like existing? Like, were you constantly (laughs) doing this? And she was like, no, I was made to be very aware of it because I mean, she totally, she lived in Gaza and she went to college in Egypt alone when she was 16 years old. And that was a really big deal. And even her wearing hijab, she was one of the first to wear hijab where she was from in Gaza. And at that time, only very elderly women wore hijab and people we're coming to her family's house to like mourn and be like, I'm so sorry that your daughter has lost her shit. Basically. Hopefully she grows out of this weird wow. phase that she's in because young women didn't wear hijab at the time. But like, so she was wow. aware that it was very much out of the ordinary, but she knew what she wanted to do. She knew who she wanted to be. And she just was like, that's, that's just what I'm going to do. And that's who I'm going to be. And if you have a problem Hell with yeah. it and uh, you want to come mourn my mom, well, that's, fucking weird for you (laughs) that is so what a cool story that is such a cool story it makes it feel like the like little kid stuff of of people saying that even if it did like obviously bother your mom because that is hurtful just being misrepresented in that way yeah um but she also like knows she's such a badass because she had to be reminded of it all the time. And now like she has kids like you guys. Listen, I'm like, I don't know that she loves it, but she, she I, there's, I see the little glimmers of the, the, I'm proud of you, but like, also like, why are you behaving this way? Um, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of both because, you know, I do things in, in my own way and uh, you know, she, she has thoughts, but no, it's, it really does all come down to just like how, crucial it is for there to be representation how vital it is and I wonder who I would be if I grew up in a world where I felt represented in any way other than the genie writing down two words in Arabic like like letters like you know what I mean I'm like if I had more than that who would I be would I have felt more comfortable identifying as Palestinian would I have felt more proud to be who I Maybe. am. Yeah. But also at the same time, you are who you are today and you get to live it. Like there's a reason for that. I think a lot about how like people having Instagram and being able to like see people like us. If 
there's this one time I was at a wedding and this mom came up to me with her teenage daughter who just started wearing hijab and the mom was in tears and she said like that her daughter was getting bullied at school after she started wearing the hijab and she took out her phone and showed her bullies my Instagram and was like, well, do you know Nortagori? Like, yeah, didn't think so. And then walked away. And like having that one representation that happened to be me in that moment was like a shield from her bullies and a boost of confidence for her choosing to do something for herself. And I got so emotional because I was like, I'm so happy to know that like everything that we went through was a sacrifice that we made so we could do that for others because that's who we are. Like inshallah, after our generation, it's like, I was actually asking Adam, I wonder how many American Muslim kids in small towns in the United States right now have never seen a Muslim, like have never seen a Muslim online or in movies or whatever. Like, is there anybody left who hasn't seen at least one time of of representation? And I literally said to him, and I hope like, and I'm sending that person light. Like, I hope that that person finds someone who, who they can like relate to or, or look up to and make them a little more proud of who they are, where they come from. And, but if that person, like that number of, of us, of like people like us who didn't have that is dwindling. And we talk a lot about misrepresentation and how we need more representation. But I think that it's also really important for us to like recognize that, okay, okay, yes. And like, we are freaking, we're crushing it right now. We're crushing it. It's not where it needs to be, but like, okay, like that nothing happens overnight. And I choose to celebrate and to, and to work in that celebration rather than be upset over it because, and this isn't just about like Muslim representation. It's about everything. Like I'm working on this episode right now that comes out on July 4th. It's called the greatest export. And I interviewed some people at our local, like at at this local Memorial day parade. And one of the uh, people I interviewed is this, this guy named Jeff Davis. He was a dad. His son was next to him. Jeff Davis also happens to be, the name of the only president of the Confederacy. And Jeff was talking about how there's no unity anymore. There's just so much hate and division. And there's he was frustrated about the fact that he was like, after 9-11, I saw everybody come together. But no, now it's like every... And so I was sitting there and I was hearing this guy say all these words. And I was like, and, and I kid you not, while we were talking, a Planned Parenthood activist came up to us and he got up so quick before I could even like, I realized what it, what she was doing. She was 89, this woman, 89 years old. And he goes, and this is like, I have this on my mic. He literally goes, I don't support you guys. Walks away. I interview this woman. And the first thing that she says to me is how this country is so filled with hate. And I was just like, these two people just crossed paths they're talking about hate and 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 like how there isn't any unity and like they're not talking about the same things. Like they'll never know that they were both talking about hate, but they're not even talking about the same hate. And I had to reflect on this because Jeff's version of unity, like unity after 9-11, I know, I know that that happened for a lot of people, but also for American Muslims, that's when we saw the divide. That's when there became an us versus them. So like that unity didn't include us. And you can take that even further. Prior to 1920, women didn't have the right to vote. Unity didn't include them then. Prior to 1964, black people didn't have the right to vote. Unity didn't include them then. So his unity is completely different than like the unity that we should all be striving for. And the reason that things feel so disrupting right now is because so many more voices are being able to be heard. And that is such a really big win. And and the thing that he was talking about, about the hate and division and stuff, it's like rooted in, this is like the first time you've ever felt unpleasant. But a lot of us have gone through feelings of unpleasantries. 
And we have to sit with that unpleasantness and discomfort so that we can figure out what the real problem is. But I think a lot of people make themselves victims these days. So, and that includes myself. Like I definitely carried a victim mindset uh, to an extent before I started doing this work. And now I'm like, yeah, I've gone through a lot of shit and I've gone through a lot of misrepresentation, misidentity. My life has been put in danger because of it. And also that's just a part of my story. And I'm not a victim. I'm actually a really great storyteller and I get to do really amazing work and I get to live a really great life. And that's the story I'm going to live in. And we, we love to continue hearing the story. Noor, I could literally listen to you talk and have this conversation <laughs> for hours and hours, but um, I'm like, I feel like that's a good place to end the episode. I'm literally, Ooh. I'm so happy that we were able to finally do this. That Me too. Thank you so much for having me. I oh my god! This. Of course, it's it's the dream Noor Noor episode. And uh, where can people listen to rep? Where can people follow you? Plug plug all the things. Ooh, you can listen to rep wherever you get your podcast. It's R E P, and the logo is just like a big bright blue square. It's really pretty blue. Um, or if you need transcripts for it and other links, it's ays.media backslash rep, and you can follow me on Instagram at N-O-O-R. And that's kind of like the only place I'm really doing a lot of things these days. I don't know. Follow me. Don't follow me. I don't care. doesn't matter. Listen. <laughs> Listen to rep, rate the podcast, talk about the podcast, talk about the work, but you don't have to follow me. Yeah. Rate and review the podcast. That's that's all any podcast wants or needs. You can love I know. it. But rate oh and review God. it. Just rate and review it. It takes two seconds. It's so easy. I know. I get like these incredible, thoughtful, thoughtful letters about rep all the time. And I just like, wow, people pour their heart and soul out. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how do I respond and be like, can you copy paste that and (laughs) put it in the reviews? Like, I know that you're having these great experiences, but can you say these words out loud? Like I need, and I can't bring myself to do it. Oh, the way that I've literally said and responded to DMs being like, thank you so much for taking the time to send me this. But also, can you just post this on iTunes? Like, Yeah, that's so funny. Um, yeah, I get that. It's it's a, I like make excuses for myself because I'm like, whoever's meant to review it will review it. Whoever's meant. And I'm just like, bitch, you could also just ask people. Like, it's fine. It's okay. It's people want to yeah. support People want to support, but I just, I don't want to ever be like invasive. And anyway, I'm working through it. I'm working through it. I'm like in my own head a lot these days. So I think about these things, but it was an honor and a pleasure fellow nude with a pathologist dad. And (laughs) uh, the fact that you were also named Adam is hilarious. Yeah. And um, we should do this again soon. I loved this. I know. I'm like, I feel like this conversation I'm like, there's still so many things. So we're going to have to, you're going to have to come we'll back do a part on. Two. Well, we, we should do a part two after the second half of the series comes out. Yes. Because I'll probably be a totally different person then. Oh my God. That's going to be so exciting. The new one. <laughs> I the can't new wait. Nude. This is new part one. Yeah. Post like part one rep. This, that'll be part two. Forever um, evolving. No, and uh, you guys can uh, see a beautiful picture of Noor on the Arab American Psycho Instagram account. And you can follow me on Instagram or not also. I'm also Noor, but with an E at the end. (laughs) So this makes us two different people. For those who don't know, we have been in the same room at the same time. So there is evidence. There's Uh, evidence. And, you know, as always, guys, don't forget to floss your teeth, wear your sunscreen. Don't be a fucking asshole. And I'll talk to you next Sunday.